Morley. I'm co-founder of Genius Drive and the Enterprise Value Collective. And welcome to the Value Coffee Talk podcast. This podcast is a service of the Enterprise Value Collective, a community for business value-focused leaders and practitioners, and is sponsored by our value consultancy, Genius Drive. And our mission, that's to help you accelerate and optimize the value articulation in each of your customer engagements and throughout your customer lifecycle. And to help us do that today, we've invited a special guest, Sherry Sklar. She's an experienced chief revenue officer, CRO. She's the founder of revenue growth consultancy, Growth Terra. She's an operating partner and advisor for Edison Partners and their firms. And she has and continues to serve as the fractional CRO for several startup and scale up firms. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure. So Sherry, there was a, a recent piece of research that was published um, that says one of the key differentiating characteristics of top performing sellers compared to middlers and laggards is that the top performers excel at one customer engagement skill, and that's value selling first and foremost. Why is value selling such a key performance characteristic today, do you think? Uh, the best question ever. I love that. It's it's the best question because value selling in my mind is transformational. And I think when you first invited me to come here, you said, you know, why is it that all CROs should pay attention to this? It's transformational. It's transformational for your sales reps, which is what this question is about. Mm -hmm. And it's transformational for the whole company. But for the rep, let me just, let me give you an example. Say you have rep A, rep A, is selling you excellent job on products, feature, function, benefit, the typical classical way people have sold for mm -hmm. years. And they do a great job. Then you have Rep B, who has also come to you, very similar type of solution. But for somehow, some, some reason in your mind, you trust this guy more, this guy or gal more. Mm -hmm. Who are you going to buy from? Yeah, the one you trust from more. Correct. Yep. And I would even venture to say that your product may may not even have to be as great as Rep A's. And if the if you're you the buyer trust Rep B more, you're gonna buy. Yeah. So I have found my throughout my entire career, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, that's really what's gonna happen. If you the rep align yourself with the customer better than anybody else, you will secure their trust. Uh, Stephen M. R. Covey wrote the book, The Speed of Trust, which is all about, and what does it say? It, it, it's the secret to changing everything. Mm -hmm. It changes everything. So how do you be a trusted advisor? And value selling is really all about that. It's understanding your customers. So what do you have to do well as a sales rep? You have to secure the trust mm -hmm. and there's ways to do it. There's a lot of things that you have to do as a, as a rep. You have to understand what's the outcome that your customer is looking for and sell to the outcomes, understand what their goals are and understand who they are as a human being. Um, and that's the secret, you know, secret sauce right there. Um, and the kind of things that you have to do there is understand your persona, understand what keeps them up at night, of course, mm -hmm. um, ask the diagnostic questions, but know your business and know their business better than anybody else so that you can ask intelligent questions and make that person feel like, oh my gosh, this person 
gets me. As soon as you get a buyer to say, oh my God, they get me, you got them. <laughs> um, and then the last skill I think it really is helpful, is essential, is value economics. And the sales rep has to be good at being able to describe what the value is and an economic uh, formula, mm -hmm. you know, like the ROI or what it means to them in terms of cost savings or revenues or avoidance of risk, mm -hmm. things like that. And the best, and those that do that really well, they're the ones that get uh, the, the biggest pipeline coverage, the greatest sales. Um, they make their quotas pretty much. This is pretty consistent from what I've seen mm -hmm. over the years. Um, you know, they're, they're always at the top of the sales organization. So, yeah, that's why <laughs> it's transformational for sales people. And uh, we can get into how it's transformational for the company as well. Yeah. So you're saying it's transformational, Sherry. And I think in the world of enterprise sales, a lot of, uh, teachings on being coming a trusted advisor with your clients. And at the same time, a lot of startups and scale-ups start off as product centric. And oh, so yeah. I'm curious why you think that is. Great question again. Ah, oh, I've seen it a million times too. I'm sure you have. Um, how many times have you seen, you know, tech companies, particularly tech companies mm -hmm. just kind of get stuck, you know, drinking their own Kool-Aid. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to drink your own Kool-Aid? Um, it yeah. means <laughs> you've got, and could be wonderful products, but it's almost like you believe so much in yourself, but you never bothered to check with the customer. Is this something that would really help them or solve their problem? Or, you know, you, you think you know better. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of technologists, you know, fall into that trap. So that's where companies and a lot of founders are coming from the technology side and not familiar with the customer side of things. And so they'll just go with what they know and they think this is the greatest thing since sliced bread and they'll talk product, feature, function, benefits without knowing that we really should be checking with the customers. Um, I've got a great story for you um, as to what happened to me once. A lot of people who know me know this story, but Many moons ago when I was a rep, uh, and I was a pretty darn good rep. I was always number one in whatever Salesforce I was in, so it was very good, one or two. Um, and I had this client that was huge, a big client. I knew this client inside and out, really felt like uh, I'm going to get the, we had an upcoming deal. It was a multi-million dollar deal. I knew I was going to get it because I had excellent relationships up and down the whole organization. Um, but I ended up losing the deal. <laughs> and it was a shocker, shocker for me. I was like so depressed for months. Um, but it was a lesson that I learned. And actually it was a lesson that helped me spawn my consulting firm, mm -hmm. Growth Terra. Mm -hmm. But what the lesson was, I found out later, why did I lose? I lost. Uh, the customer told me the reason why I lost is that I thought that our company and our products were six months ahead of the competition. That's mm -hmm. what my own company told me. I believed my people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I loved my company and everything. I believed them. They were great. 
um, the customer told me, no, Sherry, you're really behind the market. Mm -hmm. So I did, I was shocked. I was like, wait, I could not, why, why were we behind when I was told we were ahead? Um, and I found out that really the process that my team, my product team and the marketing team, they did not really check in with customers to find out what was the most competitive part that would really make a difference for them. Mm -hmm. And I learned that it's, you know, markets change, customers change. You have to always stay in front of it. So it's, you know, it's, it's almost a sign of, it's a little bit arrogant to think that you shouldn't be checking into customers, but um, that is why a lot of scale-ups and, you know, startups and scale-ups falter is they're really not in sync with their customer. And you could have the greatest salesperson out there. Haha, <laughs> I was thinking about myself <laughs> at the time. But I wasn't. I wasn't because I really didn't know that we were not in sync with our customer. Yeah. So there was a lesson that spawned an entire career. Well, I don't treasure that loss on you, but we're all the benefit it for cool. it, Sherry. So thank you. And thank you for learning from that. Um, Oh yeah. You know, being more from the product side, because that's how I approach it. April came from the sales side, but I was a product guy back in the day. And, you know, when you've got an innovative product, you will connect and you will have success up to a certain point with customers. And that's the problem. You're selling to Jeffrey Moore's early adopters and innovators and people that are enamored with the technology and the innovation of it and and implement it for those reasons. But then very quickly, if you're going to grow beyond that. So a lot of these startups and scale-ups, they've been successful up to a certain point. And then all of a sudden they hit this plateau where they start to dip and they're wondering why, you know, did the pro product is still maybe as innovative as it was, maybe it's still as competitive as it was. Well, the problem is, is they didn't make the shift over to the business side and they're presenting the product the same way they presented it to the innovators, thinking that, the business person is going to be able to connect all the dots, connect the dots to the business pains, yeah. amplify those pains so they're worth addressing. And so they'll get off the dime to actually purchase. And that's what the failure I think is, is not recognizing that you need to proactively as a product centric go to market um, product led growth kind of company proactively shake things up and, and implement a value program and still have a good, um, you know, kind of product program, but have the value program on top of it. So talk about that a little bit. Is that, has that been your experience too? Absolutely. Great. I love the way you put that. Um, the early, you know, the early stage of a growth firm versus, you know, scaling up type, there's two different stages and you're right. In the very beginning, it could be product centric. It could be, you know, getting the early adopters excited and the innovative people are all aligned. That mm -hmm. as long, you know, that alignment is still there. But at, you're totally right. When you start to scale up and you're trying to figure out what's the go-to-market strategy and what's what's the fit, um, it's essential. It's essential to check in with the customers. Customers change, <laughs> their needs change. And I mean, I'm living proof. I lost multi-million dollar deal. It killed me. So it happens to a lot and it happens to a lot of people I know. So I think that um, the skill set that's needed, like you pointed out, it 
it's the skill set to understand it's not just about the product solution alone. Mm -hmm. It's not just about what that one buyer is also trying to solve even. You got to think 10 steps ahead of that buyer. You got to think of what's the relationship between what that buyer wants to do and what the business as a whole needs. Mm -hmm. You've got to be the person to help the buyer understand better than he knows, he or she knows himself, how what they're doing makes a big impact on their own company. And you draw the lines for them. Mm -hmm. You 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 educate them about their own business for them. This is how you become a trusted advisor. And then you teach them uh, and, and you know how to talk to internally all the different stakeholders because all of a sudden as you're, as these companies are growing you need to understand who all the stakeholders are and how to talk to them mm -hmm. and value selling is truly about understanding the value to each person each stakeholder and you as a sales rep need to be so good at helping your buyer understand all the stakeholders and what's going to sell it internally, help them internally sell it up to your CFO or to your CEO or to the board and provide them with materials. You know, you might need testimonials, you might need stories. Storytelling is really critical. Graphs, does, you know, diagrams. I mean, you need an arsenal of things to support your value program. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly what you're saying. They, when you're in the early stages and early growth, maybe that's not the emphasis because you're just getting early adopters. But as you start to grow, you are going to definitely need to expand and help your customers sell internally to all the multiple stakeholders they have. And a lot of times they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So a, value, a great value salesperson understands that. Yeah, you gave a lot of great examples about the key elements that you need in place for igniting value across the organization. What, I was wondering if you could dig deeper into, you know, what is a great value program and what kinds of initiatives have you endeavored on to help getting it going? Oh, great question again. Okay. Um, what, how do I define a great value? A great value program delivers unparalleled value to the customer. Number one, it also at the same time sets your company apart from all the competitors in the same playing field. It educates the sales team to be the best sales team in the world. So they are best in class. They are the best trusted advisors for your space. Mm -hmm. And it delivers at the same time sustainable profitable growth to the company and it enables you to fulfill your mission better than anything else. So I truly believe that it's transformational. Now, what goes into it? It's like, what's the recipe? I'm a cook. Okay. So I came up with the seven ingredients. These are the seven C's that go into your recipe for the best value program. Oh, awesome. Okay. So ready? I came up with it. Um, my an pen is ready. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, focus on the customer, C for customer. Yeah. That means you really do. Every time I go into a, a new situation, I find out who's your ICP? Who are the key buyer personas? What matters to them? How do you stand out? Okay, so that's customer. Number two, competition or competitive strategy, mm -hmm. like what I was saying in the definition. Um, how do you stand out? 
from everybody else. You have to have something. What's your value prop that you know and you can clearly articulate why you're better? You still need to be able to do that. Okay, that's number two. Number three is competence. Okay, this is what we were talking about, April, about, you know, what it was and, and Tom about what it was about the, the rep needs to be able to do to be able to help the comp the help grow their customers mm -hmm. and help get even greater and bigger customers. Um, so competence is all about, you know, helping your customer. We we're just saying helping your customer understand what they're doing, how it connects to their their own company, mm -hmm. uh, helping them understand their buying process, helping them understand, um, you know, how they can look like a hero. Um, so just really getting, you know, very much like a trusted advisor, knowing you're like 10 steps ahead of your customer, mm -hmm. your, your buyer. Competence, that's the third one. Number four is coaching. Mm -hmm. A great value program really needs reinforcement. So you you, you've trained people with the competence that you need to have them to have, but you need your first line managers to really be on board and great at coaching your sales reps. Um, it could be role playing. It could be checking in on their emails. Are they writing the right things that are in, you know, re and, you know, reinforcing the kind of value message that you want to send. It could be, you know, just working with them on terms of how they actually speak to their customers are they addressing customer needs so that's coaching number four number five is content mm -hmm. your sales team needs content okay you know you can't go in there without having you know maybe some good stats and some good percentages and some good information that that really backs them up as to why you know, this company is, is set up the right way. And you know, that you are the company for this, for this customer, Tom and April, you guys did some of that for some of the work that we did together. Mm -hmm. You did a whole bunch of research and you found us a whole bunch of great stats and our sales reps were able to go into their customer and say, Hey, you know, 56% of all people, you know, find that sustainability is really important and they will buy based on that premise or something like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. You know, you need those kinds of stats. Mm -hmm. So content, um, things that back up, you know, the credibility for the rep, um, educating the customer, you know, mm -hmm. so content that helps educate the customer. We came up with something like a capability maturity model, mm -hmm. helping the customer realize that working with you, you they can actually accelerate and get better mm -hmm. in their own company. Um, we came up with an ROI spreadsheet. So, you know, these are tools. These is content and tools that reps need to really reinforce value. So co content is number five. Mm -hmm. Number six, I put customer success mm -hmm. because a lot of companies forget that customer success is vital vital to growth. Um, they seem to think that customer success is the afterthought. It's not. It's very important to sales. It's probably the one of the most important critical elements of sales. Post-sales ends up being 80% of most sales because you're selling more to your existing customers. Mm -hmm. You're trying to upsell and cross-sell and you know customer success is critical. So it's important to infuse value in your onboarding and in your implementation and your adoption. So all that, all the stuff that 
enables your customers to be, you know, really raving fans. So that's number six. And the last one I put, I had a hard time coming up with it though. <laughs> last time, last one, I, I put a C. I wanted, to, it's about measurement. So what's a good word with a C? I, I came up with calibration, counter, I don't know, calibration, but you have to measure the impact of the value that you deliver. Mm -hmm. So, you know, find out, measure, you know, what are your close rates? What are your sell cycles? What are your, what's your pipeline look like? What's your revenue? These are normal things that you would look at in the revenue organization, but, you know, take a snapshot before and after, and you'll start seeing a big difference. And you want to hear about, we talked about what are some of the results yeah, that we got. Yeah, we're on calibration. So that would be great to see kind of, what, so what were some of the results of uh, some of the programs that you implemented the the seven C's at? Yeah. Um, so I remember, well, what we just did together in this last company that I was at, you know, we quintupled the pipeline in less than four months. Um, this awesome. is qualified pipeline where there wasn't much qualification before. Mm -hmm. um, we brought in 93 new logos into the pipe. We improved conversion rates. I think it was like 3% to 70% from an MQL to an SQL. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. So you start looking at some of these leading indicators. Value can make a difference right away. And this is all, this, this really happened quickly, like within a matter of just a few, few months, um, over a period of time, um, in other companies I've been with, um, you know, 200% revenue growth within six months, um, because value is everything I do. So I can, I can tell you, this is really infused in everything I do. So 200% revenue growth in like six months for, um, this is pretty I've done this many times, but th that's one example. Um, another example was reducing churn mm. by 450% within three months. Wow. And, and so what I'm saying is the results are real. It's transformational on the sales perspective. Um, and there's some real benefits in the short term, but really big in the long term. Well. Oh, those are some impressive stats. Yeah. Congratulations. Very exciting. Um, and just curious on what are some of the challenges that you might face as a CRO to getting value right? Oh, okay. Um, there's numerous challenges. <laughs> there's no, never, you know, it's always fun, you know, being a CRO because there's a ton of challenges and it's, it's, it's always fun to dig in and try to, to change it. I, I was telling Tom earlier, Tom and you earlier that I do love a good turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually what happens. Um, I would say number one, one challenge to see, I've got a, a few that I thought of. One is um, vastly underselling yourself. And the mistake that I think a lot of companies make is not understanding your true value mm -hmm. at all. And they didn't do the homework up front and they're selling what they think, you know, feature function benefit doesn't even touch it. Um, but, you know, many companies I've been a part of, I noticed that the company was leaving money on the table, mm -hmm. uh, not selling its most profitable company, not its most profitable product. Mm -hmm. 
And what you guys help me with is understanding where is the value? You know, who is the, first of all, you have to understand who is your ICP, who is your persona? What are they trying to solve? Who are we? Why are we so great? Um, that is a challenge that everybody deals with. And I've seen that it is really a problem. The very first problem is a yeah. fundamental problem. It's not getting that ICP right. Correct. If yeah. you go um, and, and then here's, I'm going to jump to another problem that I uh, challenge I've seen is marketing and sales not being aligned. Yeah. It's classic. We've mm -hmm. heard about it forever and ever, but the silos that go on. And even though marketing and sales work better together than ever before, we've all heard about it. It's still a problem. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's still a problem. And so another challenge is you have marketing maybe going after one ICP and sales going after another, and you're bringing the wrong kind of people into the pipeline and it's a waste of money. And I've mm -hmm. seen it a million times and it's frustrating. So that's a challenge. Um, another challenge is staying too narrow. We talked about it a little bit earlier, um, just focusing in on a product or a solution for the, what the buyer thinks is what they need mm -hmm. and not, connecting the dots to the business, the overall big impact that the business should be getting. So, you know, how does, how does the, this solution impact the business overall? I think that's a big challenge. A lot of salespeople don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And you need to teach them how to do that. It's part of the value program that you need to do. So, um, and, 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 you know, what's important about understanding how to do that um, this is not something that you do in stage four of a sales cycle. This is something that you start off in stage one or two when you're diagnosing the issue. And what you need to do is ask questions with numbers in it. You know, mm -hmm. how much do you think this is costing you overall when you blah, blah, blah? I mean, how much, what percent, um, you know, are you missing? What's the risk that you're in, in, in you know, and get numbers and percentages and, all of a sudden you can go back to that with your buyer. They may not have realized what they're dealing with, the kind of exposure that they have. Um, you're educating them. So this is the definition of a trusted advisor. So the challenge there is staying too narrow. Um, and then I'd say one more challenge I thought of that would be interesting. And that is not having your CEO or your founder support. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think a value program needs to be driven from the top. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think so. Agree. Um, it's and, not just a sales mm -hmm. technique. And patient support, I think too, Sherry, because as you said, there are definitely going to be early indicators of success, but we've seen a lot of times that if they're not patient with it and have kind of a two, three year time horizon for ultimate success out of this, that it is a transformation, just like any other business transformation. It's not a two or three month process. It's, no, this is it's a at mistake. least an You're annual right. process that, that goes. And that's not to say you can't make the money back quickly. We've seen with the metrics that we were able to generate with you in the last company, yeah. that it paid for itself right away. But to make the big transition, to get it all the way from building early pipeline, to have an impact on the win rates, yeah. to have an impact on retention and growth. That takes time to get through with the customer right. cycles and the buying journeys. 
You're right. That's what you're talking about is change management. Yeah. Change is you're a hundred percent right. And a lot of CEOs, unfortunately, and founders don't know that it, it change takes anywhere from 12 to 18 months, sometimes two years, like you mm -hmm. said. Um, yes, you can get a lot of improvements as we said, we found out early. I mean, we can make an impact within the first quarter mm -hmm. for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, where I'm also going with this is I'm trying, to, I'm basically suggesting that value-based selling, I'd like to change the name to value mindset or something like that mm -hmm. or something, something because I feel, yeah. I feel that value-based selling, it's, it's still, it's fine, but I feel like a company, it needs to, to be really powerful the company needs to embrace the entire concept of value and it's a holistic strategy. So it's not just about salespeople knowing how to sell better. Mm -hmm. It's marketing, knowing what kind of content being aligned with sales, it's customer success, being aligned with sales and marketing and it's product producing products that are aligned with customers and what their needs are and being very powerful there. It's also, uh, a benefit to talk through. It's not just all about the customer value programs are the whole mindset of value can be brought internally mm -hmm. as well. Um, for instance, to help with the culture of the company. Mm. So you're, you're, you're saying to your people, I want to see value in everything we do, mm -hmm. you know, like every interaction you have with a customer should be, <clears throat> adding value. Likewise, internally, look, you know, we all have ways, areas where we can improve. Um, and I used to way back when I was really, really uh, a young rep, I was with IBM. And I, re I remember one of the executives saying, you know, look, if you have a problem, fine, but come up with a solution while you're telling me what the problem is. Mm -hmm. So the value add is you're, you're telling your people, employees, hey, it's okay, you know, we're transparent, authentic. We want to hear what needs to be improved. But what are your ideas as well? That's a that's value. Mm -hmm. That's called that's a value, you know, mindset. Yeah. And so we're talking about product strategy across and and revenue strategy, and we're talking about culture and mindset. It's holistic. Yeah, value is everything and everywhere in the company. Yeah. needs to be what the CEO mantra is. And we got the opportunity to interview uh, Giuliano De Silva, who runs the value program at uh, one of my long-term customers, Coupa. And uh, the CEO did the best service for him and the entire company. He, literally, he wrote the book Value as a Service to define what the company was <laughs> all about. I mean, that's commitment right there. I love that. I love it and too. You know, the three of us once talked about, <clears throat> didn't we talk about at one point having a value desk mm -hmm. or some kind of a, like sometimes a company gets to the point where you want to have an ongoing value desk. Maybe you could talk about that because I thought that that, you know, I don't know whether it's appropriate for every company yeah, or maybe it, it is. Yeah, we call it a value office and we even value thought of office. it being a chief value officer as something yes. that we're promoting because we think value is that important. And it's this orchestration across 
each one of those groups within the organization and making sure value, there's a common hymnal of value and interaction and engagement with the customer. So from product to marketing, to, to BDRs, to sales, to customer success, it's this life cycle across the customer's journey that interweaves value across all the groups and in every action with the customer. And we think you can't get there unless you've got, like you said, that CEO commitment and are starting to think about who's going to play that, that chief value officer role within the organization. So yeah. Yeah. Sherry, what's the one piece of of advice you'd like to leave our enterprise value community with today? Well, okay. It's just, just what we were just talking about. I think to see value as truly transformational for your company and um, to, to, to deploy a strategy that is holistic with mm-hmm. value in mind. Always think um, in terms of your customer, the, the companies you could make, it is a world of difference to employ value as a strategy uh, versus not, it would make the difference between, I think, becoming a billion dollar company versus a hundred million dollar company yeah. as you're scaling. Um, and, you know, I've done it with many companies where <clears throat> you can accelerate, you can not only accelerate deals, grow the size of deals. I've grown deals 60 times, but this one company I was working with grew it from like a $1 million average um, <clears throat> sales price. excuse me, to 60 million. Mm, Wow. That's how, I mean, 10, 30 and 60 million type. Um, And what, what enabled us to do that was really not just, you know, educate, educating the sales force. How do you do that? You need to know how to describe value, but you need to connect the dots between your solution and what the buyer thinks they need to how this is going to impact the whole company and then be able to speak to the CFO of a company, not just the buyer, but all the stakeholders and help the CFO and the CEO understand the value of what they're, <clears throat> what they're going to be buying. You can raise the, the deal significantly. So imagine if you had a cadre of salespeople that could do that and you amplify your sales, you know, tenfold, you know, all of a sudden it's not a hundred million dollar company, it's a billion dollar company. So it does make a difference. So it's transformational. So my piece of advice is do it and hire Tom and April. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Sherry, thank you so much. We're humbled and blessed to have you. And thank you for all the advice, the seven C's, um, all of the challenges that you spoke about that need to be overcome in a great value program. Um, The content was amazing. So thank you for sharing so freely. Thank you. And thanks for being my partners in crime and many, many of my companies. So I really appreciate hope it. Many more too, Sherry. Thank you. Oh, will be. <laughs> You'll see. Okay, guys. Thank you. Thanks for participating in the Value Coffee Talk podcast. If you haven't done so yet, please sign up for the Enterprise Value Collective on LinkedIn, on our GeniusDrive.com website to stay up to date on the latest events, tools, insights. Hit the like button. Hit subscribe on this episode so that you don't miss out on the next great interview with a CRO or value leader. And until next time, our Enterprise Value Collective keeps sharing and growing together. Mm-hmm.